Becoming a full-time writer can be overwhelming. Join Jay Thorne and Zach Bohannon as they help you improve your craft and find your audience so you too can become a career author. This is the Career Author Podcast. All right, welcome to Landmark, episode 145 of the Career Author Podcast. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at Kobo Writing Life. Now, in my opinion, Kobo Writing Life is the most user author friendly uh, service of all the direct self publishing sites out there. Um, I love Kobo. And uh, of course, they empower you, the author, to take your self publishing career into your own hands. And uh, one of the really cool things I just want to talk about for a second is their promotional opportunities they have. We mentioned on the podcast every week, we're like, oh, they have these awesome promotional opportunities. But I think there's a lot of authors out there who don't really know what that means. And uh, like, it, this isn't just a, a tool where you can go discount your book for a certain amount of time. This is actually where you can go and have your book featured on one of their main sales pages. And uh, I, I take advantage of those. I've used their free ones specifically a lot. Um, usually, I mean, and usually they're cheap. I mean, usually they're around like these promos are 10 to 15 bucks or something like that. And I mean, I will see sell through through my whole series with my perma free first book. So uh, I definitely recommend checking that out. And if you're not on Kobo and your books are wide, then get on there. And of course, you keep all your rights, you'll get to take advantage of their promotional opportunities I talked about. And you can do all of that without exclusivity agreements. So get started today at KoboWritingLife.com. And of course, I'm Zach Bohannon. And with me every single week is Jay Thorne. What's up, dude? Hey, what's up, man? Not much. It's, uh, you know, I'm trying not to talk about the weather. <laughs> I'm going to make, I'm going to make it relevant though. Okay. If okay. you're watching on YouTube, which is not a lot of you, cause we don't really get most people listen to us. Cause why would you want to look at us? <laughs> uh, I apologize for the glare next to me, but I have my window open because I have to, cause it feels good. So All right. that's my <laughs> I made it relevant to the listener, to the, to the few people who watch on YouTube. So. Okay. <laughs> But I'm doing good, man. I can, I cannot complain. Um, you know, we. I know uh, the uh, last week you asked me. We talked about hockey. We have our hockey update. Yeah, I gotta get the hockey updated after the weather. That's going well. So, of course, by the time this airs, there will have been two more games, and there will be one that night because they're playing back to back Wednesday and Thursday. Um, but they play tonight, so they're up one nothing in the Stanley Cup final. Talking about the Stars, and uh, it's. It's exciting. Like I'm just, I'm trying not. To get, I mean, obviously after that first game, I was excited, but I was like, okay, we got, we still got to win three more games against a really, really good team. So, um, but yeah, it's fun. It's, it's super. I'm super stoked for the game tonight. Excellent. That's great to have something to look forward to. It is like it's 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 it is it's it's really fun. Um, you know, to to have. It's weird watching hockey in September. But like, but, you know, uh, like I totally even forgot that football was on yesterday because I'm just not a big NFL fan anymore. And uh, but uh, it, it's just because it, it's weird to have it going on at the same time. Like, you know, the first weeks of the NFL and like we're in the Stanley Cup playoffs, like what the hell's going on? <laughs> but it is what it is. And it's it's been exciting. So how you doing? Good, man. I uh, I, I got to see Lamb of God on Friday. I was going to say you attended a concert this weekend, yeah. right? <laughs> Another one. Uh, man, they they uh, they live streamed the whole new record. It's self titled record. It crushes. It's so good. 
Yeah, um, I love that album. It's it's I haven't liked their last few records, but this one is uh is, is really, really good. It I is, really yeah. It. And they mixed um they mixed a few uh classics in within the set and then uh and then next week or the following friday they're doing um ashes of the wake in its entirety which is my favorite lamb of god record and um i know like people are like i don't know what you're talking about but here's my point um this is really cool like i i first did it I, i bought a ticket for the down 25th anniversary uh throwdown and that was cool and um, and this Lamb of God, uh, they, they sold tickets where you could buy to both shows, so one week apart. And I'll tell you what I like about this: it's it's going to be a while before we have live concerts. Um, and I don't like watching music videos on YouTube. Like I just I don't know. It, there's something about it. It just I, I'm not interested in it. But this is a really cool stopgap. Like and, and I and I if more bands did this, I could see myself like purchasing a tour ticket. Right. So like even when they go back on the road, imagine a band goes back on the road and they're going on, say, a 10 city tour. And for a hundred bucks, you get to watch the show live from that city as it happens. I would totally do that. I mean, I I think that's a great business model. I think it's a way of leveraging the technology in in a way that's going to bring more fans in. And it's it's not the same as being there by any stretch. And at one point, Randy said, destroy your living room. And, uh, you know, (laughs) it's not it's not quite the same as being at the show. But like it's for me, it's better than watching like a DVD or YouTube. Um, And it. It, it it gave me something to look forward to. It was a, a quote unquote live event, something different, and I uh, really enjoyed it. Yeah, and I mean these bands are having to get really creative because they obviously. It, it's funny we talk about this all the time on the show, like have multiple sources of revenue, you know, and stuff. And like, let's be honest, like these bands can't live off their records anymore. No, like they just they can't they don't live off royalties, and it's like that's why when people when I hear people who don't understand complain about like rising ticket prices and stuff like that and how they have to pay 40 or 50 bucks for a t-shirt at a concert. I'm like, that's the only way these bands make money. (laughs) They're not, they're making, they're not making any money off their, and like, and it still costs money for them to make a record. Right. So like, you know, and now they've lost their ability to tour. So like, which is, which is where, because they're making like, they have to tour because merch is where they make all their money. Yeah. And so if you're not touring, you're, you're, you're literally making nothing. And, you know, both down and, uh, and Lamb of God were in some sort of sound studio, but it was within their hometown. Like it, you know, they weren't out on the road somewhere and, and both of them had merch packages that were tied into the live stream. And I was just like, that's great. Like that's, it's a good interim place, but I could also see it being like a long-term piece, uh, another revenue stream for bands is doing is, is selling tickets to live streams to all their shows. Yeah, I'm interested to see how things go. Like, I mean, this is a rabbit hole we could get down that's not good for a writing podcast. But, like, I wonder how long these bands are really going to sit to the side. Like, when you can, like, there's fans at the NFL games, <laughs> you know, like. And the political and, rallies. Yeah, uh, the political rallies and stuff. Like, protests. I mean, protests. <laughs> I mean, like, how, yeah. like, uh, why? And, and you, I mean, it's a legitimate question to ask, like, why do these bands have to suffer? Right. Like, if other people are doing it, like why can't bands tour with like minimum capacity yeah. and stuff like that? And yeah. So I, 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 I kind of question how long it's going to go before we do see some more live mu- you know, bands being able to tour and stuff. And, you know, obviously I, we want everyone to be safe and stuff, but like, I, 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 
I feel bad for these bands and like that are, I mean, I hope that they can get back on the road somehow safely soon um, to make a living. Cause I mean, it's especially for, we're talking about these metal bands, like a band like Lamb of God does pretty well for themselves, but like a lot of these bands, I mean, guys already have like second jobs and stuff right. as it is. Like it's, it's not as glamorous as people might think it no, is. No, they don't, they don't necessarily make millions of dollars. I mean, very, no, very no. few of them do. Yeah. So, and it, and it's, you know, it, we'll, we'll see what happens, but, uh, but that's cool, man. I'm glad, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And it's, you know, the entrepreneur in me is always looking for like, how are they repurposing content? Like, how are they creating new revenue streams? And I, even if you're not a fan of music, paying attention to what's happening in the industry in a parallel industry right now is a smart thing to do. Yeah, I've I've seen some other bands doing interesting things. Like I saw, I don't remember exactly what the concept was, but there was a band who's kind of doing what you were talking about. I don't remember who it was, but they were. It was a it was a it was a heavy band, but they were doing a, a virtual tour, and they were like, you could only sign up for shows if you were like geographically located within a certain area. But they had like, they were making T-shirts for those specific yeah. dates and stuff like that. And then, you know, some bands have been doing like drive-in movie tours right? stuff like that, like doing the drive-in thing, which is cool. Like, I mean, how fun would that be to go see a concert in your car? I mean, <laughs> you know, like it would be kind of cool, you know? So, and, it, and, and like you're kind of saying, it's going to be interesting to see how this stuff has an impact in the future. And, you know, cause I don't think that, I think that now people are being forced to think outside the box. Like they're not going to just go back right to the way things were, you know, and not just within music, but, you know, you're seeing businesses realizing like, oh, maybe we don't need this office, you know, to have this overhead, like maybe more people can work remote, you know, and yeah. we don't need, we don't have to have people together all the time. Like, and I, I think it's, it's going to change a lot of things within how people conduct their business, whether in creative endeavors or not. Yeah. And as, as two guys in it, that have events, I mean, this is something we had to, we had to face firsthand in May and 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 something we're you know looking looking at for for next year is selling a, a virtual ticket alongside the physical ticket like i think that's just going to be a that's just going to be a good business practice moving forward speaking of which it's probably a good time to remind people that tickets are available for the career author summit next year and uh, as we have had to you know rethink things a little bit we have a in person option and a live option available so uh, you can check that out at thecareerauthor.com and just click that little events tab at the top, or you can go straight to thecareerauthor.com slash events. And uh, again, there's two options available. We also have a 10 month payment plan, which by um, you know the natural deduction of math will run out soon. <laughs> um, but the, yeah, the event's not till next September. So you've still got a little time if you want to get on that, that 10 month payment plan. But uh, the event, of course, is going to be here in uh, right outside of Nashville and Franklin, Tennessee. And uh, it's we got a lot of good speakers and stuff lined up. So it's going to be good. And then, like I said, there's a virtual option as well. So check that out. Um, I skipped over because you gave me the, the great uh, lead in there. But uh, really quick, if you haven't read on, the, uh, on your podcast app yet, um, we're talking today's topic is uh, relief from your writing rut which uh, say that 10 times. You like that alliteration, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, this is, this is, this is a good topic and I'll be interested to see what made you uh, come up with this one at this time. So yeah, it's going to be, gonna be it's going to be fun conversation. So uh, one other little quick announcement though. Um, we did want to mention again, Mark, our friend, Mark Leslie, the faves Kickstarter. Uh, he's got that up, which is for a, um, 
anthology that he had put together um and really cool thing like he's basically trying the kickstarter is basically just so these authors can get paid for their work um the anthology has been done and had been ditched by a publisher previously and it's it's kind of a passion project of marks and that he really wants to get this out there but make sure these authors are getting paid and he had already set aside some of his own money for it so um, it ends today, meaning today, Thursday, as you're listening to this, I'm assuming, right? Right. <laughs> so um, so definitely go check that out. I know they're starting to hit some stretch goals and stuff. Last I saw Mark put out an update email, had a really funny picture of him uh, drinking a beer with himself. So I don't know if you saw that or not in the email. Yeah, yeah, uh, I did. Yeah. And I, uh, I just pulled up the page as we're recording. He's funded at $4,207 of a $1,508 goal. So way That's to go, awesome. Mark. That is, that is fantastic. And yeah, there we've uh, reached the first stretch goal, um, more than a hundred backers. So it's, uh, it's a great success and we're, we're happy to report on it. Yeah. Really excited for Mark. And it's just a really cool project he's doing. So definitely go check that out. Even if you just want to support him and you don't want anything from it, you can even just donate. So um, but I'm, but the story's in there. It's got a really cool theme and stuff. So I think it's going to be really, really good. So definitely go check that out. We'll have the link in the show notes. So of course we have our ways and hacks, but before we jump into that, we want to remind everybody about patreon.com slash the career author of course over there for as little as $1 a month, you can support our show and you'll gain access to our monthly bonus episode as well as so much more. You can become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash the career author. And with that, Jay, you have a way for us this week. I do. This comes courtesy of our friend, Diana Gunn, who's been one of the, the few people we've had on the show with us. And if you guys remember Diana, she's a uh, an SEO specialist and she's really helping authors in the marketing and branding side of things. And uh, she sent a message and said that uh, Yoast, which you guys might recognize as the ubiquitous SEO plugin for WordPress that everyone uses. Uh, they have uh, a new course uh, called academy.yo. So if you are interested in getting uh, really sharpening your SEO uh, tools and, and getting a good idea of what it takes to get organic search ranking, uh, definitely check that out. And once again, we want to thank Diana for sending it our way. Absolutely. Yeah. She definitely knows her stuff. So definitely go and check that out. So all right, well, let's go ahead and jump into our main topic then, which is relief from your writing rut. Yeah. Which I, I can't believe I had to say that again, and I nailed it. <laughs> I'm glad you, you said it instead of me. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to kind of just have a conversation about, um, it's somewhat about burnout, but I think it's not the same as burnout. I think that's going to be part of the conversation. So I think, you know, um, what what I'm hoping that listeners will will get from this is the by the end of the conversation, sort of the ability to diagnose what might be happening. Because I think a lot of times we get into a situation where we don't feel like writing, or or maybe not that we don't feel like it, but it's it feels like a struggle. Like I don't know if if you had those periods of time in your writing career where just coming to the page just felt really onerous and difficult. And, and what do you do about that? Uh, and, and I think what's, what's good about this is, is, you know, we're, we're in a profession that is very solitary by nature and it's off when you're sitting there staring at the, the blinking cursor on the screen and you're not sure what to do. 
there's no like there's no office mate there's no cubicle <laughs> you know across the hall that you can that you can go and talk to someone about it so um hoping this conversation m might sort of uh help people wrap their head around what might be happening and what can they do about it absolutely yeah and i like <clears throat> pretty recently was kind of in one of these so <laughs> so it's kind of it's kind of timely for me and um and i can kind of talk about some things i've done to kind of get out of it and what the what i feel like the cause of it was um and so i can kind of pepper in those things as we go through this conversation. So. Cool. All right. Well, uh, it's not cool, but no, no, I'm sorry. I mean that like that. <laughs> no, I know. I'm just messing with you. Uh, it, it's, it's totally fine. Yeah. We're, we're going to frame it. So we're going to, first we're going to define what a writing rut is and how that's different than burnout. If it's different, maybe it's not. Um, and then we're going to go through sort of uh, a list of questions that you can self-diagnose and, you know, are you in a writing rut? And and there's going to be a series of questions that we came up with. Uh, these aren't the only ones, obviously, but, uh, you know, you, you, the questions that you can ask yourself to sort of get to the root of, of whatever the problem happens to be. And then, uh, and then suggestions for climbing out. And, you know, th these are coming from personal experience. And again, they're not the only, the, the only ways out, but some ways that you and I have, uh, have battled through it and come out the other side. And, um, and, and we'll see. Hopefully that, that helps some people. For sure. So how do you define burnout? Well, I do think these are a little different. I do too. Um, I, I, for me, a burnout is like when I experience burnout, it's when I, and this is not necessarily just a writing, this can be in anything. I mean, I've experienced, um, burnout with, you know, health stuff, you know, going too hard. Like for me, it's, I kind of am burning the candle at both ends. Like I'm going so hard and so fast and just not really stopping to, um, take breaks we can say you know and um not really giving myself room to breathe and that for me usually leads to burnout um a riding rut for me um is more like where i'm stuck on something and i it's not writer's block that's not what that's not the same thing either really it's more um like kind of what i experienced recently was um you, you know i was i was in this weird place where, you know, I, I basically had to flip the switch. I, I was not had to, but I was able to flip the switch from all this weird stuff that was happening with, uh, not weird stuff, but, you know, the circumstance I was put into because of everything going on in the world where I was basically in full-time dad mode and having to squeeze in Ryan whenever I could to where I just had all this time and had to readjust to that. But at the same time, like the project I've been working on, I, really just hit kind of a rut in it. And I, I think a lot, and I, you know, I think a lot of it for me was cause I, on this particular book, I didn't, I didn't plan well enough. I kind of, um, got really excited to move into this project and, um, cause I've been excited about this series. And then I kind of like started, th there were things where I was uh, there, like I was getting to parts in the book where I really had to figure some stuff out and, um, or, or I was having some little plot issues and stuff. And it was almost like, it was hard for me to come to the page because I was having trouble wrapping my head around how I was going to fix some of them. And like, does that make sense? Yeah. And it was making it where I almost didn't want to come to the page, but that wasn't because of burnout. That yeah. was because I felt like I was in a little bit of a rut. Like, man, I'm having trouble figuring this, this out or whatever. Um, and, uh, and it was to, to, so to me, 
uh, hopefully that makes sense. That kind of differentiates like to me what like a burnout versus a rut is. Yeah, I think I have similar similar feelings, although my my ruts um, a little different. I'll, I'll, I'll speak to that. I think for okay. me, burnout is the moment where I'm no longer enjoying it. That's that's how yeah. I define burnout, because sometimes I can be burning the candle at both ends and be loving it, like being yeah. so into it. Right. But like but when I'm even if I'm not working that hard on it, if it's something like I'm dreading doing, then I used to like it. That's that's how I know it's burnout. And and I, unfortunately for me, like I, I think that's um, a moment where I've quit a lot of stuff, like historically, because um, it's I think it's hard once you start resenting something, I think it's really hard to turn it back around. Yeah. You know, like it's, I mean, you can, but it's almost like you have to, you have to change the nature of what you're doing. Um, so like if you burnt out, say on, um, like if I burnt out on running, I don't know if I'd go back to running, but I might pick up like biking, you know, it's like, it's similar, yeah. but like, it's hard for me to recapture that. So that's, for me, that's burnout. The writing rut for me is more insidious because it's a comfort level. So it's 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 interesting that you mentioned like for you it's a struggle. For me it's like autopilot. Like, oh, mm. I got this. I know what to do. This is the procedure. Bang, bang, bang. I do this, I do and I and I'm not I'm subconsciously I'm not investing in the creative process. I'm kind of coasting. And and I think that's for me, that's a really dangerous place to be in. Yeah, it is for sure. I know yeah. like I'm not, well, if I'm coasting as, as the, the producer of, of the story or the, or the content, then what can I expect the consumer or the reader to do? Like, I can't expect them to get excited about something that I coasted on. Um, but like, that's for me, that's what's tricky because it doesn't feel bad. Like it, in a way it feels really good. Like I've got this under control. I know what I'm doing. I just go in and do this and I'm done and I can finish projects that way. And on the surface to me, they look well done, but, but they're really not. And, uh, and like you said, I, I think that's for me, the difference between a, a writing rut or, or what I've called a learning plateau before and burnout where burnout is like, it's a very negative, like resentful feeling for me. Whereas the writing rut is kind of comfortable. Interesting. That's, that, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so I thought we could sort of uh, kick around some, some different questions that, um, that people can ask themselves. And again, like uh, these are not, this is not like the, the complete list, but like the, the things that we came up with um, because we don't have the answers. And I, I'm a, whenever I do client work in, in education, I'm a big fan of questioning techniques versus advice giving. So I love the, I, I love like taking questions and being very reflective and, and, and meta about it and thinking about it. So uh, I thought we can kind of go through a couple of these. And if we, if we have some personal examples, we can kind of share them. Sound good? Absolutely. Yeah, for okay. sure. So uh, the first question, and, and maybe this is a good one for you to pick up first. Am I excited to write, but not about my current project? Have you found yourself in that situation? <laughs> no, in, in fairness, it's not that I'm not excited about my current project because um, I am like, it's a, uh, you know, you know, and uh, you know, I'm talking of course about my dead self series. I've been writing, like I'm, I love the characters. I love writing it. I just, it's been, I'm, I'm excited. I have been excited to write, but I haven't been excited necessarily to figure out some of my plot issues I've had. Like, and I mean, you've, you've worked with me enough and maybe this is part of it. Like 
I, I worked, you and I collaborated for so long. I kind of had you to lean on to help me get through some of that stuff. And maybe I got too comfortable with that. You, that, you could, that have, could legitimately be part. You of might've had some plotting muscle atrophy. You know, you didn't use exactly. certain things for a while, right? Because there were a lot of things where I, I could go. Cause I knew, cause I knew that you liked figuring that stuff out a lot of times and that, and, and, and not even just that you liked it, but it was also like kind of one of your roles in our partnership. And I like, yeah, maybe I got kind of lazy with it, you know, to be honest with you. And, and so it's not that I'm not excited about my project. It's that I'm, I'm not, I'm excited to write, but I'm not excited to have to trudge through like these hard moments, you know, to, to get to where I want to go. Cause I'm excited to get to the end. I'm like, man, I'm excited to get here. I know how this book's going to end, but like getting there has, was, has been kind of a slog to be honest with you. Yeah. You know, and, um, but there's plenty to keep me going. Like I can, this got me excited. Like I said, I love the characters. I, I like the world I've built. I, I like where I'm going. You know, it's, it's motivating to go look at the sales of the first book. And like, I'm getting emails from readers wondering when the next book's out. So like, I'm excited. It's just like, when it's actually time to sit down by myself in solitude and have to do the work, it's, yeah, it's, it was, it's been different. It's, and like I said, it's gotten better, Yeah, but, um, but it's definitely been difficult. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, this, this is a question I, I've found myself in this situation. I'm not in it right now, but I've definitely have been in it before where uh, like I'm, I'm being productive. I'm getting my words in, but as I'm getting my words in, I'm thinking about the other project I'd rather be putting words into. We all do that. Yeah. Every, we, like every, everyone does that. Yeah. You know, like, uh, you get really excited, but it, and I think that's part of the nature of being a writer. We like it, it, this goes back to the whole thing of like when you're you're meeting somebody for the first time, you know, you tell them what you do, and they're like, "Oh, I have a great idea for you for a book," and I'm like, "Dude, I will never write every idea I have." Not like, even, not even I think this that, week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, it's like uh, I will die with uh, with a, a two a to be read list of books with video games I want to play. I've never played and with ideas for books that I will never write or for stories I'll never write. Like, and, and we're and constantly, we're thinking about those yeah. like, Oh, I'd rather be doing And it's, you know, where we'd rather be doing those instead of doing the work on the stuff we do. And it's hard, like, I think that's just natural and that pretty much most writers go through that. I, I agree. And I, and I think uh, this next question is, um, I could answer yes to it. I think you could as well. Um, and, and that's with the, some of the, the things that we did. And the question is, am I tired of my series slash world slash universe? I think um, for all the trilogies that we wrote, specifically War for Earth, I think was the most difficult one for both yeah. of us. Uh, I don't know if tired of it was the right word, but I think we were ready to move on. And We and, definitely were ready to move and on. And it was yeah. hard. Like I, I had that. Uh, I think Glenn and I had that with Dustfall. I mean, we... We ended up um, dropping that from a six book series to a five book series because we're like, it's not right. Like we can't we can't write a whole nother book if we're if we're tired of it. Like we can't. That's not fair to do the reader. And so we, we cut that series to five books for that reason. So I think that's a legitimate question to ask yourself, especially if you are in a rapid release or you're, you're uh, relying heavily on serialized fiction. I think you can get tired of, of the series or the world or the universe you've created. That's okay. I think it happens though. Yeah. And I think on the opposite end of that, if you are really loving what you're doing, your series or, you know, then leave yourself some open ends where you could continue it. Like, you know, you mentioned War for Earth and yeah, that was a trudge to get through the end of that because I think we were just kind of like, 
past it and like we had a really good ending for it where it was a good place to end but like on the opposite end i think we both really liked final awakening and it sold well but like i i you and i multiple times talked about like could we do another trilogy in that and <clears throat> i just from a creative standpoint felt like we'd put such a good ending on the third book that i just felt like we could we have done three more books yeah we totally could have but i just felt like from an artistic and creative standpoint we tied the bow off so well on that third book that i just didn't know if it'd be fair to the readers to keep that world to keep that going in the same series without right. doing like a spin-off type thing you know um so and i know we both loved orion and baron as well like yeah. baron was a was really good but like that didn't sell well enough to continue which is right. kind of a bummer so right um but uh but yeah so i think uh yeah this is the the series world universe thing is definitely a tough one yeah yeah uh this next this is this is the core of the writing rut for me this is have i created a recipe or template that causes me to fall into (laughs) a predictable pattern yeah, I'm such a systems guy to a fault. Like I'll, I'll admit it. Like um, starting with Story Grid uh, and, and every writing and craft book that I've I've studied. Now, uh, to be fair, that system changes every single project. I, I've I've never used the same process twice. Um, but still, the the heart of it remains. And and I think uh, the way out of this for me recently was having JD mentor me and say okay, write a, write a dialogue only first draft. Like that, that is not something I would have naturally chosen to do. Um, and so maybe I didn't even realize what kind of predictable storytelling pattern I was in until I was forced to toss aside the template and try it a different way. I think one thing too, that you're not, that maybe you're not giving yourself enough credit for is that you're like, you're, yes, you're in this predictable pattern and you have this template and stuff, but like at the same time, you are constantly learning, like you're constantly learning more about writing fiction. I mean, think about like all the research you did when we wrote three story method, you know, and, and you, you talked about your, have the whole thing on with JD. You're always looking at courses, reading more books. So like subconsciously, I think that your writing is improving and you're, and, and you're probably changing your, like in a way that even if you're in this template, you're probably serving the reader better than you are saying you are. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 I, yeah. For sure. So, but, but I, but I can see what you're saying about like, you're still in the same process and like doing something like doing the dialogue only first draft really pulls you out of that. Yes. So, uh, so I definitely see what you're saying there as well. Yep. Yep. Uh, this next question is similar to, to one we've already talked about, but am I losing focus while in the act of writing, thinking about other stories I want to tell? So I, I think for me, this is beyond sort of daydreaming or um, getting, getting like, you know, a, a spark of, ima- of imagination. I think if you're in the act of writing and you're, and you're drifting, you might be in a rut. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I can, I can definitely, I can definitely see that as well. You know, I mean, there's, there's obviously probably something going on that's making you not want to come to the page. And I think you just have to like ask yourself questions to identify that, like what, yeah. where, what the root of that is. Yeah. And, and, and the reason I think the, the question about while in the act of writing is an important one is because for a lot of us, the problem is getting started. And, and that's not just writing, that's everything, right? Like it's whether it's working out or a new habit or writing, it's like, get the first word done, get the first sentence. And then typically the resistance that's built up kind of melts away once we get started and we get into the flow. But if you're in the flow and you're losing focus, 
that might be something else. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next question is, am I using some of the same character archetypes repeatedly? Um, I know I'm guilty of this. <laughs> um, it's, it's hard, I think, to create protagonists that are not like us. <laughs> Right, I think that's yeah. that's our go-to, you know, and I and over time, when you start producing a lot of work, um, you start using it almost becomes a crutch. You use some of that characterization as a crutch. Uh, is that something that you've you've noticed in your writing? A little bit. I mean, um, to me, I mean, part of it, like obviously, our own experiences and stuff are going to be reflected in our in our work and our make, and it becomes part of our voice and part of our characters' voices. Um, so yeah, I mean, I could, I could definitely see that a little bit. Maybe I just haven't put enough thought into it. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe it's a bigger problem than I think it is, but, but at the same time, like I have, um, like a lot of readers resonating with my characters, like John South, the main character in my new book, in my new series, like I get, a, I mean, a lot of comments from people who love him and they're not saying like, oh, he's just like Will from Empty Bodies yeah. or something like that. You know what I'm saying? And because right. I do feel like the characters are totally different and that it comes across on the page. Right. So I, I think for me, it's maybe not a huge problem. Yeah. But um, but I definitely see how it could be. Well, I think this question and, and the next one are, it's an interesting double-edged sword because the next question is, am I relying on genre tropes or conventions to drive the plot? So if you take a look at character archetypes, and tropes or conventions, like they're, they're a necessary evil in a way, right? Like it, there's a, like if you take the post-apoc example, your protagonist in a post-apoc genre needs to be sort of the loner drifter um, archetype. And so on one hand, you kind of need that. On the other hand, if if you do that too much, then I think it becomes more of a rut. So it's, it's a very tricky balance, but I, I think relying on genre tropes or conventions to drive plot um, can also lead to sort of very predictable patterns. And that's, and that one is kind of where I was in, where I was at, like where I'm, I, I hit these kind of a couple of plot points in my book where I was like, man, I don't want to be predictable. Like, I don't want to just go back to the same tropes and conventions that I know and gain around that, like it kind of was affecting my confidence to, to tell the story, you know, to come to the page. Cause it was like, am I really like, uh, I, I again, I don't, I don't want readers to come back. Oh, well, this is super predictable. He did this in this book or something like that, you know? So, um, so this one, I definitely have had experience with, you know, for sure. So I, I definitely get how that can happen. Yeah. So. Well, cool. Why don't we uh, why don't we transition into sort of the last part of the conversation, which is okay. You've answered these questions. Maybe you've self-identified that you're in a writing rut or or that you need some changes. So, what what can you do about it? And uh, I think the the big takeaway, at least for me, is is challenging yourself. I I think you. I think it's a good thing for every writer to always be trying to do something they haven't done before on each project, even if you've written. 50 or 60 books, I think you, you need to come to each project with some new challenge, something you haven't done before, something you haven't tried before. And maybe it's only apparent to you. Maybe it's completely an internal challenge. But I do think it's a, it's a way of not allowing yourself to get comfortable with, with the, the situation that you've developed and that will allow you to coast as it did in my case. See, it's so funny because, because of my specific situation and because... Um, 
again, like having to be a full-time dad and then switch that. I almost had the opposite thing happen to me where I had to get back into my routine right. <laughs> and back into my system, you know, my, to, to, to get out of my rut. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It does. And like, I think for me, um, and we, we can get through some of the other ones we put on here, but for me, the big thing was, so like when I was in that pattern, again, I was having to find every chance I could to write and, you know, and then be the full, be a dad. And then, you know, by the time everything was over and I kind of was, um, you know, I had time to myself, like I would hang out with my wife or I would want to play video games or whatever. And I, I say all this to say that like, once I got back into my routine and I was like, man, I'm not, I'm, I'm having trouble in these plot points and all this stuff, like what's going on. I realized for me that I hadn't been reading enough and that I hadn't been, because normally when I'm on my regular schedule, I read every single morning. Like it's like, well, it's one of the first things that it's the first thing I do before I get up and start working. I realized I'd kind of gotten away from that because I was having to make the most of my time doing other things. And so this goes back to the learning and stuff. Yeah. And um, I, I needed to like pick up reading. And once I started doing that, I was like, it almost reminded me how to be a writer again. Like, oh yeah, this is how you tell a story because I'm reading it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it totally does. So for me, yeah. it was, it's it's so funny you and I are coming at this from really opposite ends, which I think is good for the conversation. Yeah. You know, that for me, it was more about getting back into my system than it was about like trying to break myself away from before without being too predictable. Right, so, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's check off a few of these bullet points and these are not going to work for everyone all the time, of course not. but uh, yeah. this is sort of a smorgasbord to pick from. There, there's three switches you can make. Uh, you can switch your project, you can switch your genre, or you can switch your pen name. I think all three of those might be a way of breaking out of a rut or, or forcing yourself out of a rut because you have to. Uh, you know, the, the, the project is probably gonna, going to have the least impact. You know, if, if, you, if you feel like you're in a rut and you set that project aside and you work on a different project, uh, that has no external consequences. Switching genres, switching pen names clearly does. But, uh, I mean, we, we have... Friends, I, I won't name them, but we have friends who have, you know, been very successful and written in a certain genre and now feel trapped by it. And they're like, I, you know, I, I'm now writing to a formula. I'm, I'm writing to market in the worst possible connotation because this is how I'm paying the bills and, and I'm stuck. So I, I think um, making those switches and thinking about them that way, project, genre, pen name from sort of the least serious consequence to the most, uh, th that could be a way of climbing out. And way, you know, way you could, this doesn't have to be necessarily like a huge commitment either. You know I mean? If you're just needing to get out of a writing rut from like an artistic standpoint, like go write a short story. Yeah. Like, I mean, just, just stop your project. Yeah. Okay. You might get a few days behind if you're a big deadline person, but okay, whatever. It's better than coming to the page miserable, <laughs> you know, like write a short story. Hell, write a short story in a different genre under a pen name. <laughs> you know, like to, yeah. so you can kind of knock all three of these out at once. Like, yeah, I mean, and, and that ways would be can... a no risk way of doing it because nobody's going to know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and and doing that might because I can tell you, like when I wrote the fantasy book, I wrote like it was very like very invigorating for me and like really recharged me and stuff. But it was also a big commitment. Yep. You know, and and so, uh, but artistically, it was awesome. Yeah. You know, and, and so like, I, th I think all three of these things are good, but you can do them on like a smaller scale than like completely shifting if, you know, yep. depending on what position you're in. Yeah. Now, if you want to go more internal, there's two things you can do to your process. You can try a different process or you can create a new one. 
uh, an example, uh, I lay, when I was doing the uh, outlining for the uh, manuscript I'm working on now, I overlaid the uh, Save the Cat Writes a Novel beats over top of my outline, and I made sure I was hitting those. So that's a different process. Uh, I, I, we use so, some elements to Save the Cat, specifically the logline in three-story method, but, but using Jessica Brody's beats um, forced, uh, was a, a different process for me. I think that helped. Uh, or, or you can create an entirely new process. And, and that's, in a way, it's sort of what we did with three-story method. Even though it was an amalgamation of these others, uh, it, was, it was something new. And, and realistically, that's what everybody does. No one's going to invent a brand new writing process. You, it, it's going to be a collection of what worked for you in other ways. And I think we do this naturally a lot. We're, we hear something, we read something, we see something in a, in a writing course, and we go, oh, that little nugget, that's going to help me. And then those nuggets, you combine those, and that's sort of a new process. So I think one way out of the rut is to be maybe more intentional about creating that process. Yeah, you know, I think something else here too that's worth mentioning is, you know, and and this is not this I guess is part of your process and your system, but um, you know, a, a couple other things you can do is, and I know that for you this is not like probably something you'd want to do, but I think for a lot of authors it would is like change your environment or change like the time of day you're writing, like that type of stuff. I know we usually talk about like we usually go against that advice because we say, you know, your brain gets used to like when you sit in the specific spot, the specific time, that's good. But maybe every now and then it's good to kind of take yourself out of that a little bit. And, you know? and that, the process is only good if it's working. So if yeah. you're doing that and it's not working, then then you do. I, I totally agree. I think you should change up the, the location or the time or, or some other external element of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I go work in a coffee shop a couple of days a week, you know, um, I, uh, occasionally will like work a little, like I'll, I'll move my writing to later in the day just to switch things up a little bit. And, um, those kind of things, um, definitely, definitely can help as well. Yep. So, you know, those, those are definitely things I would look at as well. Yeah. This next one is not something that's worked for me. It's not something I enjoy, but I know a lot, it works for a lot of people, which is an accountability partner. Yeah. If, if you're in a rut and, uh, and you have an accountability partner and, and you have some sort of check-in process, whether that's synchronous or asynchronous or, or however you set it up, I know for a lot of people, just knowing someone else is there and, and they need to be accountable to that person can really help. Yeah, that's not one that works for me either, but we have friends and stuff that this is totally a thing where we see it works. So I totally yep. get that for sure. Uh, this next one I've done many times. Our, our buddy Mark has, has done this. He did it this year, which is try a new medium. Uh, so, you know, I uh, spent many, many years uh, working on novels. And then uh, last year, I decided to take my writing and create a, a passion project for a podcast. And it's a, it, it was a scripted podcast, so it's not like these. But just doing that new medium can, can force you to use other skills and to change things up in, in ways that you hadn't been doing. And you've been doing a screenplay. Too, yeah. Right? Yeah, so, that's yeah, right. That's, that's right. Uh -huh. That's totally, totally different thing as well. So, yep. yeah. And then the, the last one on the, on our list, as always, you mentioned this sort of towards the top about, you know, reading craft books. Uh, I think taking a craft course, um, it's always an investment in you always. There's, it's never, ever wasted. Uh, even if it's a really poor one, <laughs> it's a really poor craft course. That's helpful too, believe it or not. Uh, you don't want to take too many of those unless you have an unlimited budget. But um, I think taking a craft course or reading craft books or going to workshops and always being open to how other people 
uh, create a writing process will keep yours fresh. Even if you don't, you're not going to take it wholesale. Nobody does that. But if you have little elements of it that work, uh, that's always going to keep you on your feet, going to keep things moving in a positive direction. I think too, one we didn't mention was, you know, if if you're coming and you keep struggling and struggling and, and all that, like give yourself permission to like, take a little break. Like even, even if it's, I'm talking like, even if you need to just go out and like take a walk for two hours, just to like, let your brain, I'm not talking about like, take a week off or something like that, you know? Um, but like, it, you know, or, or if you need to take a day off or an afternoon or something to kind of get out of a rut, like that type of stuff helps me every now and then too, when I sure. get these little ruts like this. Yep. So I think you, um, um, really can give yourself permission to do that type of thing. And and that's important to do every now and then. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, so come on over to the careerauthor.com and, and tell us how do you get relief from your writing rut? Uh, or, or maybe you don't, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, if there's any little tips or tricks you want to share with the community, um, add, adding on to the things that, that we came up with from our own experience, uh, we'd love to hear about it. Yeah, that's what's cool about this type of conversation. You said it like this is very individualized. And so there's going to be people who've done different things and had this happen for different reasons. And I think it'll make for a really, really interesting conversation. So if you want to join the conversation, as Jay said, just head over to the careerauthor.com, click the little podcast link at the top and uh, just navigate to episode 145 and you can join our conversation over there. And again, the question is, how do you get relief from your writing rut? And uh, also consider joining us over at patreon.com slash the career author, a dollar a month gets you in the door. And we've got some really good content over there. Our book, three story method, speaking of take a craft course and read craft books, a uh, three story method of course is available. You can get it in ebook, hardback, paperback, audiobook read by Jay Thorne himself. Um, and uh, it's available where all books are sold. So definitely check out the career author or sorry, three-story method. No one listens this far anyway. Um, <laughs> we always say that, but someone's got to be listening to it. Yeah, probably Chad so, <laughs> and Chris. So This is the landmark segment of, the, of every episode. Absolutely. Yeah, this is where <laughs> the magic happens. So, But uh, yeah, we'll end on that though. So, and uh, uh, oh yeah, go come to the Career Author Summit. Yeah, <laughs> either virtually or in person. So thecareerauthor.com slash events. Go check that out. And with that, I'm Zach Bohannon and that's Jay Thorne. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.